Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Kuehl Podcast. I am your host, the insider to the insiders, Tyler Kuehl, riding solo this week. And that is actually not a joke like it was last week. I actually am by myself tonight. Alex is out and about, but he'll be back next week. We're recording this episode on January the 10th, just before 8 o'clock Eastern Time. So if you're... uh, if you're a Leafs fan, you kind of know that the Leafs are playing the Devils right now, and after 20 minutes, the Leafs are handling the Devils easily by a score of 3 to nothing. You can join the conversation in this week's episode by using the hashtag TKP or hashtag the Kuehl Podcast, or you can tweet at us at the Kuehl Podcast. Stay involved in the conversation. Let us know your thoughts on what I talk about today. You say what we talk about, but what I talk about, because we actually have a great show on tap for you here tonight. Of course, watching the Leafs game, big news. Johnny Tavares scoring his 300th goal in his NHL career with the Maple Leafs, of course, with his team, the team that he wore his pajamas with and all the blankets and his dream come true, scoring 300 and then 301 in that first period of play. I mean, John Tavares is one of those guys. Is He's just so much fun to watch. And, and like, and he scored that second goal. Like, it's old hat for him at this point. And I think, I've, I've, we said it before with in the summer, with John Tavares coming on, just adding that depth offense to this team and him being an all-star representing the Maple Leafs is also a big deal as well. And I think, I mean, it's congratulations to Johnny T having it done for his team, unfortunately, in New Jersey. And New Jersey, folks, I mean, the Leafs handled them the first two games this year, and they're handling them after 20 minutes of play. I, I feel for the De- you guys, Devils fans, all you Devils fans that listen to this show. I mean, there is talent there, but Taylor Hall is out once again for an eighth straight game. And Keith Kincaid is not the, the showstopper that he was last year. And Hall himself hasn't played that well. Nico Heeshire is still too young to be leading this for the Devils team. So uh, looking at it from the outside, there's still there's still room for improvement, obviously, with the Devils, but it's not like there's nothing there. There's still there's still a young core that the team has, and there is a future for the Devils. So all you Devils fans out there, just understand that the, your day will come once again where you won't be squeaking in the playoffs. You'll actually be a competitive team. And then maybe the Leafs and Devils can have playoff series like they did back in 2000, 2001. Wouldn't that be interesting? Uh, Other news this week, Jordan Bennington, the St. Louis Blues rookie, got his first NHL win, a shutout victory over the Philadelphia Flyers on Monday. Former Owen Sound attack netminder getting a big win. And, I mean, that's huge. I mean, of course, coming from a Leafs fan, we saw it with Garrett Sparks a few years ago getting his first win, paying his dues. And let's be honest, guys, Jordan Bennington really paid his dues. I mean, let's see. He came, he joined the Chicago Wolves in the 20, after the 2013 season where he actually backed up Malcolm Subban in Canada's World Junior run back in 2013. And he has really played a lot. He played that whole first year actually pretty much with Kalamazoo Wings in the East Coast right over here in West Michigan. And he really paid his dues. I mean, he played a lot for the Wolves and actually had pretty good numbers in the AHL, which, you know, as a goaltender in the American League, it can be kind of tough to have solid numbers because you see a lot of good goaltenders have like 920 save percentage, but some guys have like 900. That's actually really good. And he was actually one of the best goaltenders for San Antonio this year because since Chicago became Vegas's team, San Antonio became St. Louis's team because San Antonio, which used to be Colorado's team, became... St. Louis' team because Colorado obtained the Colorado Eagles after they came up to the ECHL. I know none of you guys were able to follow that one, but nonetheless, Jordan Bennington really paid his dues, and I'm glad to see him finally get a shot in the NHL. And you know what? Maybe he gets a little bit more as, you know, St. Louis is kind of a struggling team, so you may get see him get quite a few starts. So big win for the young man. I'm glad to see him doing well. And you know what? Maybe he is the goaltender of the future for St. Louis. Or maybe, you know what? I Like I saw some guys on uh, – if you follow the St. Louis Blues, bleedandblue.com, go on there. The, a lot of guys that love, they follow the Blues. They do a really good job following the team. They're, they're more or less just saying, kind of the same with Garrett Sparks. Let's, you know, everyone keep their ex- expectations within within reason. Keep them realistic. And I, I agree, because let's be honest, when Garrett Sparks got that first win, everyone got a little excited. But thankfully, they played Winnipeg the next night, and he kind of got lit up. So that was able to kind of bring things back just a little bit there. Um. So going back to the Leafs, they played a game against Nashville on Monday. And by played a game, I mean they played about, well, let's say 16 minutes, and the rest of it was just Nashville just taking them to town. But a big part of that game, Nashville went up in the first period, and it looked like maybe the Leafs had tied it up after a goal. 
That was scored by Austin Matthews after a great play by Andreas Janssen right in front of that. However, right after, as soon as the goal goes, there was kind of a delay, and all of a sudden, the National Predators decide, hey, they're going to, looks like they're going to, they're going to challenge. And I, I'll be honest, when the, when the rule came in 2015, there was going to be a coach challenge. I was okay with it. I, you know what? I'm like, you know what? Good. Maybe some, some clarity is going to come through these things. But however, if you look at the playback, William Nylander was offsides. Yes, I agree. He was offsides on the play. He was off by about inch and a half or so. So, but the problem with the play was, was that the Leafs entered the zone 26 seconds before Austin Matthews put the puck into the wide open net. Now, with that said, you if you look at it from look at it from a side saying, yes, the call was right. And yes, it was made by the situation room in Toronto. So all of you people are saying, oh, there's Toronto bias. No, clearly not, because, well, it's obvious they had to call it back. Nashville is able to take the game over from there. So I ask you guys here, what is your idea on what should where should there be like a rule on, you know, like what is, should there be a rule on, you know, certain time? I remember people were saying like, oh, this should be like 10 seconds. If you enter the zone 10 seconds later, doesn't matter anymore. But then with that said, and I remember Steve Dangle mentioned in the last LFR after the game and he made a really good point. Then you have like the 9.9 seconds, you know, 10.2 seconds at the clock stop for a split second. You know, there was a lot going into that. So I'll be honest, my if you look at my perspective, like I said, I, I want reviews in this game because guess what? If, you, if there's no reviews in this game, I mean, you're going to have something that happened back in 1980. For those that don't know, the Philadelphia Flyers looked like they may have been able to force a game seven, but the New York Islanders tied the game up late after a goal. If I'm not mistaken, Bobby Tanelli fed a pass to Clark Gillies, who was following up the play in the zone and was offsides by about three or four inches. But that ended up tying the game. Boom, Eric Nystrom gets the game winning goal in overtime. The Islanders win their first of four Stanley Cups. Yeah, yes, if there was review then, yes, there may have been a decision that was made. So I say people that don't want review, I say look at that playback, yes, in 1980. So, yes, you know, almost 40 years ago. Or excuse me, almost 30 years ago, pardon me. My math is a little off today. It's been a long day, of course. Always a long day for yours truly, the insider to the insiders. But, like, you want that play to be correct. You want an offsides call. You want goal interference all to be correct. But going back to the offsides, my idea is if the other team, the defensive team, takes full possession of the puck. And, yes, this is where you're going to have a little bit of discretion, but if you want to change the rule and have it, you know, if the puck's in the zone for 45 seconds, you know, something ridiculous like that, the other team's probably going to get the puck unless the other team's playing Harlem Globetrotters and not, and, you know, playing keep away from the other team. So that's why I say if the other team gets possession of the puck, gets a stick on it, has the opportunity to clear the puck out of the zone, there should be no op- there should be no reason to review an offsides call. And yes, like I said, there's going to be discretion. There's going to be possible issues with that. However, would you rather have an issue with the player touching the puck and controlling the puck? Or do you want to say, hey, 90 seconds ago, they entered the zone offsides? Because imagine that in a power play, right? You know, you get, you enter, the puck gets cleared down, you get, you bring it in the zone, you set up, you know, you're sitting there for probably a minute and a half, maybe get a couple of shots, and then you finally score, but then boom, hey, he was offsides. You know, then you have to reset the clock back 90 seconds and the game goes longer and fans get fans get frustrated because then you have the review process and you know there's always and there's a, there's always been talk about the review process should be shorter and stuff like that. So there's gonna be no perfection with this rule, with with coaches' challenges, with challenging on the plays. There's never gonna be any perfection. I mean, like I said, take it back to the you know, the United States goal that was called back against Finland. You know, that was a goal that could have counted. Could have been an opportunity for the Americans to take the early lead. The U.S. could have had momentum going, but the goal was called back because of the review process, and there was an uprising by fans of the Americans, of course, and other people that looked at that play and maybe said it shouldn't have been called back. Nonetheless, here we are. Finland, by the way, congratulations on winning their third gold medal, world junior gold medal in six years, and it's almost like gold or bust for the Finns. And I may as well go with a Greek after the game. You know, Finns looked like they may have had something going there. They went up 2 nothing on the Americans. Americans come right back with a couple of quick goals. And then late in the game, Kako with the goal late in the game. And, I mean, Finland does it dramatically, guys. I mean, Nylander's goal back in 2016, Kako's goal with about less than 90 seconds left. I mean, 
Finns, they earned it. I mean, they did it the tough way. I mean, yes, they had played Switzerland and kind of dominated in the semifinals, but you had to beat Canada in Canada. And then, of course, you had to play a really tough American team that was on the ro- uh, that was on a massive run. So, like I said, congratulations to Finland. Uh, if you guys want to actually check out my review of, and recap of the World Junior Tournament, you can check out my article on Puck77.com. I wrote a review for each of the teams. Kind of exciting, too, because Germany, you know, my far, far bloodline, Germany is going to be back in the tournament next year as Denmark was relegated after losing to Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan stays alive in that tournament. And, man, I tell you, it's going to – I love watching. I know some people, you know, a lot of people say, oh, the tournament doesn't mean anything. It's just a bunch of kids playing around. The World Junior Tournament is a very under – I mean, at least I say outside of Canada, very underrated tournament. Not many people can get – are really exposed to it in the States, and I understand that. I mean, it's always – they always broadcast the games on the NHL network. But, man, if you want to see some real good young hockey, the World Junior Tournament's the way to go. I, I love watching it every year. That's why, I, you know, I took, I took a lot of pride in writing for Puck 77 about the tournament, writing about each team, learning the players, and getting into it so much more fun. It's a lot more rewarding seeing these kids. And, like I said, you're going to see these, a lot of these players that you see in these tournaments in the NHL in a few years. So, definitely something for next Christmas. Moving along here, the All-Star Sweaters. So we talked about last week, talking about the All-Star Rosters. The All-Star Sweaters were released. Adidas released them earlier this week. And boy, oh boy, do I have some thoughts about those. So, of course, in year, if anyone's, anyone has ever seen the All-Star game, usually it's either the NHL logo or sometimes the Eastern Conference, the way it used to be. So this year, they decided to do something a little different. They literally made... So Adidas, first of all, made these sweaters, and they're uh, very eco-friendly, you know, made with recycled material, which, you know, is kind of cool, you know, save the environment, all that good stuff. Uh, I know NHL Green had a lot to do with that uh, decision, I believe. And so if anyone sees them, you can look them up. I'll try to remember to post a link down below to the sweaters and uh, jerseys, sorry, jersey sweaters, sweater jerseys, whatever. I call them sweaters just because that's what I do. They're all black and gray. Each team is with, like, a little bit of a teal neckline on the inside. Just, you know, hey, we're in San Jose, you know. And and for the first time ever, I'm pretty sure I'm going to make this right, that the team's logos are on the sweater, the individual teams for in the individual players. And it's funny, if you look back, even back in the day when the All-Star game was just the Stanley Cup champion versus, you know, the NHL All-Stars, even then the All-Stars had, you know, the NHL crest on their sweater. So I see these, and I'm like, you know, it's kind of cool in theory, but I don't know, because they're all the same color, first of all. There's no, they're all black and gray. You know, obviously, when one team plays another, one team will wear darks, one wears white. But I don't know how I feel about these guys. I mean, I know it's, I mean, they almost seem like they're trying to do what, the, you know, the MLB does, where, you know, for the home run derby, they wear, you know, the National League, American League, you know, jerseys or whatever, uniforms. And then for the All-Star game, they all wear their, you know, their team uniforms which is cool because you know a team gets represented but for the nhl you know it's it's different yeah you'll have the same you know like i said be whites and darks and you'll have kind of the same you know you'll have like i said you'll have the same look and so you'll know which player on your team is yours i mean it'll be interesting to see how it is on the ice i'm not sure how well it'll take off this one-year deal or whatnot um i'm kind of bummed that there's no color involved i know like i said there's a little bit of a teal and you know, the San Jose Sharks have, you know, they do have the alternate black sweaters, which I think are their best sweaters. You know, shoot me if I'm wrong, whatever. But I really like the way, I'd like, excuse me, I'd like more color. I just would like maybe, you know, like I said, put a teal more that you see on the sweaters itself. Keep the logos on the outside because it looks, it looks very bland, guys. I mean, it's funny. You'll see the LA King sweaters, uh, Drew Doughty, when you see him wearing the LA King crest on there, it'll look like an LA Kings jersey more than a San Jose Sharks jersey. You know, I, I kind of miss that. I remember, I think they did it for the one year in Minnesota. The year before the lockout, they had, like, the, the green with the cream color and then the red for the and the cream color for, like, you know, representing the Minnesota colors. And in 07 in Dallas, I don't really think they did special. I know they kind of had, like, a base sweater for a couple of years. Um, but I, I think the NHL... In terms, you know what? I like what they've tried to do. They've tried to make it different, you know, each year. Of course, with the with the four division format, you had to try to make them different. So I think they, they kind of got lazy this year. 
and I know there's a lot of people out there that really don't care for it. They're like, why do I care about the All Star Game? Like, well, you know what? I want it to be better. Like the year, like we, like we talked about last week with Alex, from the, the year the, when John Scott was there, it was an event. It was actually wa- worth watching the All Star Game because you see this guy that probably shouldn't be there having fun and doing well, winning the MVP, getting his name chanted by thousands, ten, twenty thousand people. I mean, it was. I mean, it was one of the best moments in the All Star. One of the best moments, not the best. One of the best moments in All Star history. But man, I just, I, I, I like to think there's me changes coming in that department, you know, having different, different sweaters, different formats. I, the game needs to get better. That's, I think, the hard part. The skills competition is kind of fun. You know, they're kind of doing funny things with different types of skills and all that. But I, I always said it, and you guys will hear me say it on the podcast in the past, it's just the game needs to change itself. Or, like, there's got to be something more at stake. If you want the players to play better, you want more competition, make it more entertaining to watch, I mean, make it. Some, you got to find a way to make it better. And that's, I mean, you can try doing different sweaters, doing, you know, different rules, whatever. It's something, you got to make it more entertaining for the fans, and the game itself's got to be better. The skills competition right now is probably the best to watch, which is cool because, you know, you get to see the best go against the best skill-wise. But, I mean, you want to see a competitive game, which is right now looking very difficult for the NHL. So we'll see how the game goes here. Hopefully it goes better, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Of course, news this week, Carey Price will be skipping the All-Star game. Yeah, Eric Engel has reported it on Twitter saying that there's been a nagging. He was having issues with a nagging injury. At least that's what Montreal medical staff said. And he wants to take some time off. And Eric Engels actually made a really good point. He said uh, in his tweet uh, when it was announced back earlier this week on Monday that Shea Weber, and since Carey Price is a goaltender, you can't just throw in, you know, Antini Yemi or Charlie Lindgren because that would just not make any sense. Shea Weber right now is the last man in. He's in the last man in vote. And if he doesn't win, like if Morgan Riley wins or someone else wins, there could be no Montreal Canadiens at the All-Star game this year. And it's funny because I remember, you know, we Alex and I talked about last week how important it is to have each team represented and all that. If Montreal's not in it, I mean, it's going to, any Montreal player, I mean, like I said, all it is is Shea Weber. And, you know, like I said, there's no Tomas Tatar. Max Domi hasn't really, I mean, they haven't really, didn't, didn't really get the, the support, I guess, from Hockey Hops to get accepted in. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here because obviously you can't, well, okay, excuse me. I will. I was gonna say you can't fix a vote, but you know I'm not gonna get super political about it. But hey, you never know; things happen and stuff. But if Shea Weber gets in, I think there may be some questions be answered. But I mean, I want you. You want all t- all 31 teams to be represented. So it'll be interesting to see if Montreal has a guy go in there because I'm not. Uh, I I don't think Shea Weber's getting a lot of votes. I haven't seen the vote. I don't think there is any way to see the vote. You know what percentage is where with which player and such. But in terms of goaltending for the Atlantic division, Andre Vasilevsky will be stepping in. And of course, how can you not pick Andre Vasilevsky the way he's had Andre Vesnilevsky, let's be honest here. I mean, since coming back from injury, which started off with that masterful game against the Leafs, let's let's look at it this way. In December, he went 6-0-1 with a 9-1-7 and a 3-1-1. You look at the 3-1-1 goals against average and you go, ugh. 9-1-7 save, save percentage is pretty good. And don't forget, I mean, like I said, six wins, you don't lose a game in regulation, not too bad. And, I mean, he he is definitely a good candidate. I think Carey Price really went in mainly on a popularity vote because, let's be honest, Price has not been, you know, all-world goaltender Carey Price we've seen in the past, but that comes with, you know, the injuries and trying to rehabilitate. And, I mean, hot take, Carey Price won't be the same. And, like I said before, that contract is not going to look good for Montreal here in a couple of years. But, like I said, good for Andre Vasilevsky getting in the All-Star game. Uh, we'll probably do like our quote unquote predictions, uh, when we get closer to that, Alex and I will, because I think, you know, I think we'll watch it this year if we have time. I know we, and we both have busy schedules with my job at Davenport and Alex has a job, you know, cause he's in school and he's working. So we'll try to get something in that we'll try to actually watch it this year. Um, years past has been a little more difficult, but I'm really excited for this year's. I'm excited cause I want, like I said, maybe I think with all the, with all like the criticism of the game, I think the players are going to have a little bit more jump to their step. I really think that there's going to be a lot to look forward to. I, like I said, I think there's going to be good, good. I hope there's good play this year, a good competitiveness to it. 
Because obviously, like I said, you want to represent your division and you want to beat the guys across the ice. And three-on-three is just fun for everybody. So we will see how that goes. Kind of going on a little bit of a, a sour note here. Well, I don't want to say sour, but something that happened early this week. Uh, Connor McDavid kind of getting put into the boards by Hampus Lindholm of the Anaheim Ducks. And for those that haven't seen the play, this happened uh, just a couple. Uh, this happened on Monday. So Ducks are playing Oilers. It's in the second period. Edmonton is just walking all over Anaheim. And McDavid's kind of battling with Lindholm going into the corner with the puck. And Lindholm kind of gives him a quick cross check, sending McDavid in the boards, dang near head first. McDavid was down for a minute. It didn't seem like it looked like he's all right. He was able to come back and play. But, and there's a lot of people are asking for a suspension or a fine or something for Lindholm, but I guess the NHL, NHL brass, excuse me, NHL player safety deemed that hit was not, not worthy of a suspension. And I've always kind of, I don't want to say joked or criticized the league for protecting their star players. When Connor McDavid gets put in the boards head first, I mean, or dang near head first, you, you would think that there'd be some repercussions for Hampus Lindholm. He wasn't suspended, wasn't fined, nothing. So, and it's funny because like I'm, we're out here watching, watching the Leafs game right now. Early on in this game, Travis Dermott gets put in the boards, kind of on a similar hit from Brent Cini. And, and I remember Ray Ferraro made a really good point. Brent Cini's not that kind of a player. Maybe Lindholm's not that not, excuse me, not that kind of a player either. My tongue got a little moving too fast from my brain there. But what I'm trying to say is. And it's just a weird play, too. You see it a lot more. Guys going with, like, the quick cross checks right in the back while players are trying to stop. And what happens is, and it's kind of unfortunate, the way you see the play happen, the player stops hard, and then the cross check happens. So you have a player whose bottom half is stop going to stop, and the top half goes forward. And sometimes you're going that fast, your top half will go into the boards head first. And Zach and Travis Dermott, thankfully, is back on the bench, back playing for the Leafs in this game. And like I said, McDavid was fine himself. But it's a very dangerous hit. And that these hits that happen, and we've said it before, like I understand there's a tough there's a toughness in this game that is lacking compared to years past, but that kind of a hit, that's not a nest. That's a very unnecessary hit. You wanna see players play tough. Yeah, you wanna see them struggle. You wanna see good checks, good clean checks. You don't want to see guys getting put head first in the boards. It's never a good time when you see that. And granted, yes, you can't just go up to someone from behind and grab them like you used to be able to, grab a hold of them and put them into the boards and hold them there like you used to. And I understand that. That I'm 100% behind. I get it. You want to keep the game moving faster. But with that comes changing the player's mindset. So you think, hey, I'm going to try to knock them off a little bit. So I give them a little bit of a quick cross check, kind of get them stumbling just a little bit. But you know, that that's put players in danger. And I've seen it before. You see it sometimes, guys, you try to cross-check them right on top of the pants, lower back, right on top of the pants, and their feet slide off from under them. And especially if you're going sometimes into the, you know, chasing a puck down in the corner, you know, their feet come out, they're, they're oh, sheesh, there's a sprint, high ankle sprain for you or a broken leg or something. You know, I think the league really needs to consider cracking down on that. I've seen it called, uh, fine, excuse me, I've seen fines before happen with it. I, you know, I've seen a lot more, Recently, you know, dangerous cross checks that are fined. But I think the league, especially George, I mean, George Peros, who's, like I said, he was Mr. Rough, tough stuff. And I, he knows that the game has changed, you know, since he left the game only a few years ago. So I would hope that he, he notices that, that you got, I mean, not just your star players. Like I said, Travis Dermott just got hit, you know, just a minute ago. But you want to protect these players. You don't want them to be in harmful situations like this. I mean, that's kind of, it's a dangerous play. That needs to change, you know? So I'm hoping that he cracks down on it. And like I said, it's it's a dangerous hit. There should be suspensions. There should be tougher sentences being handed down. And like I said, it's a completely different game. You, you can't be throwing these kind of checks and... I mean, yes, you want to just try to kind of get them off, you know, stumble, and everyone's like, oh, these guys should be able to skate and be able to stand up. No. I mean, yeah, you, yes, these guys are world-class skaters. Put a figure skater out there with amazing balance. They get bumped, yeah, they're going to go down. These hockey players, these tough, strong men, these machines that can take beatings and play 82 games a year and can play three games and four nights in the American League and, you know, three games in three days, four games in five days, whatever. 
you go, you're going hard full speed towards the board to try to stop on a dime and have someone push you from behind, it's going to be a little tough to keep your footing. So I just want more consistency with the, with the league and the way they handle these kind of hits. Now, like I said, I, I love like I love tough play. I love good checks. I I want fighting to stay in this hockey in, in, the, in the game. I don't want to see it go. But I don't want to see guys just throw their, you know, just think, hey, you know, I can't put this guy from behind, so I'll just give him a little cross check and won't do anything. Well, it's going to do something. It's going to do something to somebody. Someone's going to go head first in the boards, and there's going to be a whole hoopla, and everyone's going to be like, why didn't we do this earlier? Well, because you wait until someone gets hurt. And that's the worst part about any injury, is that there's always someone, they just wait until, you know, they, they bend it, they, they, they pull the rubber band, they pull it, it's so tight, and they wait till it breaks before they decide to fix it, before they try to fix anything else. So, like I said, I really hope that this changes soon, that there are repercussions from these kind of hits, and that the game just gets, I don't want to say, okay, I don't want to say safer, because it's going to sound weird when I say, hey, I like big hits, stuff like that, but I just don't want players to think they're at risk for an injury after a dumb play like that. That is my thought on it. Kind of staying out west with some more issues. The Colorado Avalanche sure have a uh, had a little bit of a rough stretch here. And I mean, kind of we talked about it before. Colorado had such a great start to the season. They were 17-7-5 heading on to early December. And then the last... 15 games. They have not been good at all. They were they've been 3-9 and 3. They lost the other night against Calgary. Now, yes, Calgary, you know, top spot in the division, you know, yes, it's a very tough game. Top, excuse me, top spot in the Pacific. And Colorado who was in the top spot in the Central for a minute there, they've really kind of tailed off and they are just have not been playing well. They they're 1-6 and 2 in their last 9. That's another point to look at and it looks like clearly frustrations have boiled over and one of the biggest things of course that being Nathan McKinnon and head coach Jared Bednar getting into it on the bench in post game or excuse me towards the end of the game and McKinnon of course star player Nathan McKinnon you know I and you never want to say you never want to baby players and stuff like that but you never want to see your top guy all riled up like that you know and especially seen on the bench. And, of course, there's no such thing as anything hiding in the league anymore with all the cameras going around everywhere. You, you can never hide in this league. And so I'm sure Nathan McKinnon didn't want it in the scene. But, of course, you're in the heat of the moment. You're mad at your coach. I think, I don't know, if it didn't look like Bednar had said anything to him uh, before he got on the bench. I'm sure McKinnon maybe said something, and then Bednar responded, and they looked like they got into a real heat exchange. And, and <laughs> this comes from experience. I, I remember there was a... So my senior year, a quick side story here. You guys can fast forward the next 30 seconds through this. My senior year, we're heading in the playoffs, and I had played a kind of an iffy game right beforehand. Um, I think I played on my birthday, which I have every, every time I play on my birthday around my birthday, I just play horribly. That and that's just, I mean, that's just the long and the short of it. Which is actually kind of funny because when I was in luck, now I played a fantastic game. But up until then, when I was in high school, college, if I played a game around my birthday, I just played horrible. I don't know what it was. It just it just felt weird. And I think I played a game we won eight six against a team we should have smoked. I played horrible, whatever. Um, we're going to the playoffs, and we're playing uh, Rockford. So if anyone from West Michigan knows Rockford is, and they had a really good team that year. We knew we were the underdogs. And our coach goes with our other goaltender and uh, a kid named uh, Billy Russ, nice guy. I mean him. I mean we had, we actually were really good that year. We I think we tied and had the same save percentage, which was actually the highest in school history uh, at the time at Northview. And so they he went with Billy, um, and of course me being myself, you know, been thinking I was a hot stuff. I was not too happy about it. I felt like I should have played well. And I think I, sh- I should have been given the opportunity, not just because I was a senior either. I just thought, you know, I had a better chance against Rockford playing in a big game like that. And so go on. We go to the playoff game. We were up, you know, 3-2. And I think we and I think we made it 4-3 at one point, and then Billy gave up a weak goal in the end. And I, I didn't stand up. I didn't stand up. I remember I just started shouting at Coach from the end of the, end of the bench. 
Uh, not a good way to end my senior season in high school, but I remember just yelling at him and voiced my displeasure. And, and let's be honest, this, this isn't new to hockey people. You know, these, you see it all the time. Coaches and players will get into it on the bench. Some coaches will just keep quiet whenever they see a player start yelling, but some coaches will snap back. And it's just the frustration in the game. If you're, especially if you're Colorado, I mean, you know, you came into the season, you had a real good run last or end of the season last year. Nathan McKinnon arguably could have been a, could have won the Hart Trophy. Gabriel Landeskog's coming around. Varlamov's playing well. Now you got Miko Ranton. And so, yes, there's, you know, the way that things have been going, frustrations begin to build up. Now, if you want to look too far into it, I mean, I'm, from the outside, you look and you see, you know, just at the end of the game, I'm sure McKinnon and Bednar have probably talked about it since then. I mean, no question about it. You got to, if you're, if you're a coach and a player, especially a star player, you don't want to be on the wrong, you know, you want to be on the same page. And especially at the halfway mark of this year, you want to end strong. And the way Colorado's fallen off, I mean, and the way that some teams have been coming up through the standings, they're going to really have to settle down and get back on track if they want any shot of even making the playoffs at this point. It looked like that may have been a shoe-in early on in this year, but I you can't look too far into it, but there is obviously some tension. And it's not – I guarantee nothing's personal going on there in Colorado with McKinnon and Bednar. I'm just sure it was just a tough game. Yeah, you're playing Calgary and – you know, you, you hate losing. Nobody likes losing. There's, there's, you can't say, you know, all oh, losing's fun. No, losing's only fun if you get Austin Matthews. No, no chirps from the Winnipeg fans. Got it. Okay, but it's, it's tough losing. And they, like I said, Colorado came into this year. There's, they could, they should be playing a lot better. But that's just the way the games are. I mean, you look at the Leafs. I mean, Dallas had didn't have a great start to this year. Teams go through stretches where they don't play well. They play below expectations. They lose games they shouldn't, and tensions grow high, and things happen. Some things happen in the locker room. Uh, maybe Sergey Bobrovsky. Some things may. Some things happen now out in public with McKinnon and Bednar. I think things will smooth over for Colorado. I hope so. I'd love to see Colorado, you know, get back into a team that can be really lethal in the playoffs. And I think if they get themselves in a better spot, they could be. They could a team that could get a you know get a first round win. Make some noise in the West, and you know who knows. They have the talent, they have the goaltending. So I think just think this is a little bit of a snag right now. I, you know, maybe this is the thing that maybe turns them around. Maybe they'll start playing better. Maybe they'll get on track once again and be the team that we saw in the first couple months of the season. So it's been an interesting week for Columbus, though. If you guys haven't really paid attention, a few stories, especially today, but we'll get to those from today. But earlier this week, uh, for those that don't know, of course, Artemi Panarin is going to be a, a unrestricted free agent this coming summer and I just it's funny to look at this because you know for someone that understands you know you know you know Panarin you know he's not willing to sign an extension with the Blue Jackets but they're willing to hear them out or stuff like that so uh, <laughs> High Bank Distillery it's a Columbus-based distillery uh, and restaurant uh, out you know in Columbus, they put a billboard near the nationwide nationwide arena, and it said, uh, "Let me I'll get this right." Okay, hey, and I'll read the billboard for you uh, verbatim. It says, "Hey Panera, and stick with Columbus and enjoy free high bank for life. High bank, high bank vodka." And you gotta love this, you know, because there's always been billboards, billboards, you know, like people like to be funny with those. Of course, and there was the hashtag Melanic out that the fans bought in Ottawa. This is actually kind of clever because, I mean, obviously Artemi Panarin right now is spearheading the offense in Columbus. And I'm not sure if, and we don't know if he's going to stay. We don't know where, where his mind is at with this team. And, you know, Columbus, they're doing well. They're, they're playing all right. They're third in the Metro behind Pittsburgh, who has been on fire, as we mentioned. You know, it's going to be, tough for them to really want to say, hey, you know, come here. I mean, yes, whether or not, I don't think Panarin's taking the series. He's probably got a good chuckle out of it. I'm sure a lot of people have. But, man, Panarin, that was free vodka for life. Think about it. I mean, geez, you get as much as you want forever. And then they realize that, oh, boy, this guy is an NHLer and he wants all this vodka. They may come back to hunt them. But I, if you're Columbus, I mean, I'm sure you're trying everything. I mean, Panarin, like I said, him and his agent have come out and said they're not negotiating a contract. They don't, 
doesn't Panarin seems like he wants to stay, but then doesn't seem like he wants to stay. You know, it's here or there. It's you know, it's in waves, roller coaster right now. They're trying to figure out if they really want to stay. So, I mean, credit to Highbank for going for it. I mean, hey, you do what you got to do if you you know your best player is gonna possibly leave town. Yeah, you're darn right. You're gonna offer him anything. I think there should be more offers. Shoot, I mean, if you're the restaurant offering free food and vodka, go for it. If you're gonna go for it all. I mean, shoot, it's going to probably pay half of his contract anyways for all the free food and such. And, of course, uh, some funny news now, probably some good news. Nick Foligno's coming back after missing four games. Uh, his daughter, Melena, had heart surgery, and Felino put out on Twitter today how thankful he is for the fan base, showing him a lot of lot of love and a lot of great support from the fan base and, lot, and just all people around hockey. And I know Alex and I have talked about it. The hockey community is such a close community. And, and a lot of people that are always willing to help each other. And, of course, Felino, I mean, he got a lot of love from everyone around the game and even outside the game as well for, you know, his daughter. And, you know, she's recovering right now. And Nick was pointing to say that she's stronger than he was and all that good stuff. I'm so good to hear there from the Felino household that Melina is doing well and that Nick Felino will be coming back into the Columbus lineup. But someone who is out of the Columbus lineup against Nashville tonight Starting goaltender Sergei Bobrovsky. This is a developing story. There is nothing really set in stone yet. However, uh, GM Kekalainen put out a quote today, reasoning with Sergei Bobrovsky being out. He said, quote, There are certain expectations and values that we have established for our players that define our culture. An incident occurred in which Sergei failed to meet those expectations and values, so he made the decision that he would not be with the team for tonight's game. This is an internal matter, and we will have no further comment at this time. Oh boy, oh boy, do we have something to talk about, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This could be a, especially for Bobrovsky, who is going to be a UFA, there could be something here. I mean, now, I'm, I'm not going to make too many presumptions, but um, it was, you know, there's a lot of whispers that there could be, this could be a suspension that nobody's talking about. There could be something involved, you know, with, like I said, it's an internal matter. This is something that they're not going to try to get out, and especially after all that happened with, you know, with the Ottawa Senators and such, and especially with Dallas, they're going to try to keep everything under wraps. Columbus is doing this right; they're doing it perfectly. They're they're trying to hide everything that is. They don't want anything brought out that you because know, you don't want to have something brought out that you kept under wraps, especially with your starting goaltender, your former Vesna winner starting goaltender, the guy that's literally kept this team afloat for the last few years. And because we've seen it, when Bobrovsky's cold, the team's cold. When Bobrovsky's hot, the team's hot. Bobrovsky's the backbone of this team. And hey, I mean, this there, like I said, there's a lot of things with this that are not being said, and it's probably for the best. Like, like I said, this could, like I said, this could really, really be detrimental to the team if there's something that if something leaks. Oh boy, some someone's getting fired if something leaks like this. I'm sure everyone they got. They got the hatches batting down right now. They're holding everything quiet until they know more about this. And what we don't know what happened. Nobody knows what's happened. And I guarantee you, Elliot Friedman, good buddy Friedge, and Chris Johnson, all them, they're ringing their, their phone. They're on their phones, emailing, texting, calling, trying to figure out what's the scoop on this. They're trying to find every single, you know, mole in that locker room, mole in that front office. But... I guarantee you everything's hush-hush right now because obviously this could be really bad if if something like this, if there's a suspension, what happened? And I remember, of course, if you guys don't remember the whole thing with Patrick Sharp of Chicago before he got traded to Dallas, everyone remembers there was the rumor of something of a fight between Jonathan Taves and Patrick Sharp and Kane and possible things going on with significant others, and I'm not going to get too far into that. And that really split the locker room. So... As I was saying before with Columbus, you know, if something goes with Panarin, you know, what happens with Bobrovsky now, I mean, this team could be heading down a slippery slope really fast. So, I like I said, we don't know. We'll, we'll try. If something comes up in the next, you know, 20 minutes of doing this show, I'll be sure to let you guys know. But as of right now, I mean, this could be really, really bad, especially for Bobrovsky, the way it looks and – and you never want to see a player get suspended for, you know, for off-the-ice conduct. I mean, that's never a good sign. And, of course, we talked about with Austin Watson. I'm not going to get into that. You know, there was Patrick Kane and the whole thing in Buffalo and all that. And there's a lot of things you never want to see. 
And of course, the you know the the story of the reason why Patrick Kane got kicked off the NHL 16 cover is up for debate and all that. And New Jersey, Brian Boyle just scored. So they scored two goals in less than a minute, so they're back within one of the Leafs. Oh boy, this is not good. Um, sorry, like I said, the Leafs are on right now. So yes, my random, uh, my sidetrack, my ADD gets the best of me. So great. Um, gosh, the Leafs right now, and I hate to say it, folks, but I, I know we talked about the Nashville game earlier in the show, but man, it just seems like sometimes the Leafs just—it's—it's it's tough. And I tweeted it after the game. If you want to be the best, if you want people to believe you're the best, you got to beat the best. Because yes, they Nashville—they you know—they kind of got gypped on an offside call. They didn't get gypped, but yes, the call should not have been made or whatever, whatever you want to say. The goal the goal gets called back, and Nashville's able to take over. But man, they got they got taken over by Nashville, and now they're getting taken over by the Devils. One of the worst teams in the league. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, you got to, there needs to be more. And it's, and I think, you know, Babcock shook up the power play. They got a couple, like I said, a couple power play goals in that first period. But, like, there's got to be something here that this team needs to change. I mean, they just, they get too confident in themselves. They think they're going to walk away with an easy win. New Jersey's really taking it to them in the second period. Back to back goals, and they're back within one. I, I just, I don't understand why how this team can be just so. I mean, I understand like they're so good, they're so talented, but they just let teams play. And you and I know I know you don't want to just trade up embarrass teams, you know, eight nothing, nine nothing, or fourteen nothing like Canada did, you know, because hockey gods don't like that. But play tougher, sixty full minutes. Don't let them win. Don't let them get in back into the games. Don't let them get a sniff of games. You want to you want to show that you're the best team in the league. Prove it. Prove that you can play sixty minutes all the time. Prove that you can play against the best teams for 60 minutes all the time. Because right now, I'll be honest, folks, I'm not confident in the Leafs right now playing in a playoff series against a Boston or a Tampa or even, or even like I said, Montreal's playing well. I don't know how that's going to be. I don't know how, like I said, Montreal has not been the best this year, but they're going to be, they may make the playoffs this year. And Toronto, the way they're playing, I'm not too confident that they're ready for a, a seven-game playoff series. And I hate it that the fact that, like, I hate to say this, and I remember I said it before the season, we have to keep our expectations in check in Leafs Nation. You got to think that this team should be better. And they should be, absolutely. And I understand, yes, the defense has holes. Yes, Frederick Anderson may not play Saturday. He may be out for a little longer. But the team in front of the goaltending, it's not the goaltending. Just, there needs to be more, comp- like more, more compete, more fight for the entire game. They're allowing teams to get Detroit. You ha- you go down three goals to Detroit twice this year. Yes, you're able to come back right before Christmas. Thank goodness you did, because I don't know what would have happened if they lost that game right before Christmas. I mean, people would have lost their minds. You can't allow bad teams to play against you, to compete with you, and you need to be better against good teams. Now I don't know what it needs to be. Like everyone's pointing at William Nylander, like he's the guy. I'm like, oh yes, William Nylander's the problem, but. There just needs to be more. Like Austin Matthews made mistakes. Johnny Tavares has made mistakes. Morgan Riley's no, you know, no saint either. Like there needs to be, there needs to be players need to be held more accountable. If the Leafs want to make this playoff run, that all the fans and all the critics saying yes, the Leafs are going to do it. Listen, right now the way they're playing, yes, and I, historically under Babcock, the Leafs have not been good in December and in January. I understand that, but they really need to start picking it up. They really need to start bunkering down and playing better against these teams because if they want to be taken seriously come playoff time they need to be better and it's it's, it's I know it's you know you can go into you know Corsi you can go into all the analytics and say well this guy this guy this guy you just need to play better there needs to be more jump there's got to be a sense of desperation there isn't right now with this team they're comfortably in a playoff spot I mean you got Boston right behind them with two points or two points right behind them yes you're not going to win the division because Tampa's going to win the president's trophy here let's be honest folks but there needs to be more. There's got to be more. I I just I want this team, I want this team to win the Stanley Cup, no question about it. And I know a lot of people out west saying, "Ah, oh, you Toronto East darn biased people, whatever," and all that. Whatever, I don't care. The, the I want the Leafs to win the cup because this the franchise has been in shambles for a few you know a few years before the Shannon plan went into effect. 
excuse me, not the franchise, the team has been in shambles. The franchise has been selling out for last, you know, 75 years probably. Or even when the 80s were tough, they were still selling out hockey games. I, I want to believe that this team can win the Stanley Cup, but the way this team has been the last few weeks, I can't put my I wouldn't put my money down on it. I mean, this team just needs to play better. Speaking of teams that have been playing better, the Vegas Golden Knights are second place in the Pacific Division. And, you know, for those that listen to the show, I don't remember which show exactly it was a few weeks ago. It's probably actually a couple months ago, early in the season. We were talking about how I myself mentioned, you know, I asked the question, is this Vegas team what they were supposed to be last year? You know, last year they had a magical run and they were in the Stanley Cup Finals. Now it looked like they may have been a little bit humbled, looked like they may not have made, were not going to make the playoffs. But then they just had this resurgence and gosh, they have really turned it around. And the guy that you can point to for the reason of this turnaround has been the play of Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, let's look at his numbers. He was an 8-9-7 in the month of October with a 2-4-9 goals against average. Didn't play so well. 5-4-1. Got a lot better the next month in November. It was a 9-2-0 with a 2-3-2. Went 9-4. Right before going into the new year, he was 8-2-3 in December with a 9-0-8 and a 2-8-3. Yes, not amazing numbers, but still. And then he's won his last three games, at least in January, with a 1-3-4 and a 9-4-5 save percentage with a shutout against the Rangers. Mark on and Mark Andre Fleury is gonna be the lone Vegas Golden Knight at the All Star game, and deservedly so. I mean, he had, he's just been phenomenal. And, he, he, and I remember I I pointed him saying, you know, Mark Andre Fleury is over the hill. He had his good year, but you know, he had that chip on the shoulder last year, and maybe he doesn't have it this year. And you know what? There is age creeping up on Fleury. Let's. There's no question about it. I mean, don't forget he's older than Carey Price. So obviously, there's that to consider, but. He's really turned it around. He must listen to the show. He must got inspired that I called him out because he's playing phenomenal for the Knights. The Knights are playing well. They've jumped everybody. They jumped Anaheim. They jumped San Jose. They're currently, let me take a quick look at the standings here. They are two points behind Calgary, who it looked like Calgary may have won the Pacific Division outright the way they were playing. Colorado, by the way, is back into the wild card after after Dallas decided, hey, if our owner or CEO doesn't like us, we should play better. Well, they were playing better. But back to Vegas, I mean, the Knights have been, they've been a lot better, and they're playing quality games. And like I said, it starts. It always starts with a goaltending note. You always need goaltenders that can play and play at a high level. And it's good to see the fact that the Knights are back on track. I mean, and the point, and Alex Tuck has come out strong for the team. He's got 34 points here in 38 games. He's got a plus minus of 14, plus 14 that is. He's he's come on strong. I mean, like I said, you know, one of the guys that kind of really has taken a big drop has been the play of William Carlson. But Carlson, he has picked his game up. Remember, we were talking about him, you know, putting money on himself. He's got 30 points. That's third on the team in scoring. And like I said, these aren't astronomical numbers by the rest of the league, but you're seeing the guys come back around. Pacchietti's not maybe scoring a whole lot, but he's playing a little bit better. Shea Theodore is coming up big on the back end. March is going to possibly be a last man in vote for Vegas if you know if there's a lot of votes out there from the Knights fans. March so may get in and join Mark Andre Fleury on the team. Um, you know Nate Schmitz played a played a solid role on defense since coming back from his suspension. He's he's a plus fifteen in twenty six games. I mean, shoot, Ryan Reeves has eight goals by the way. Can we just all talk about that? Big boy Ryan Reeves. He had a good tilt the other night against Adam McQuaid. I mean, I mean, he's playing his role. I know I talked about the enforcer role and all that stuff, but I mean, the Knights, I mean, geez, I guess I may have given up on them a little early. They've really picked it up and I'm, Hey, makes that Pacific division a little tighter. And I know we're only halfway through the year. So a lot of stuff can change. Of course, you know, Dallas may follow the picture. Maybe Dallas holds on to the picture. Who knows? I don't know. Vegas may cool down a little bit, but if they keep it up, man, geez, they're going to challenge for that conference champ or this conference champ, division championship, division regular season championship, that is. I mean, they're doing their job. They're playing well. I like the way they're playing. You know, Flurry's come back to form. They're going to be a tough team to beat coming out. They're 12. Excuse me. Let me get this right here. In their last 10, they're 8-0-2. That's, that's pretty good. Seven-game win streak. Let's see. I uh, can't tell if they're playing tonight. They have... 
make sure I have my stats here right. They're playing San Jose tonight. And San Jose right now is knocking on the door as they are only, make sure my math, they're one point behind the Knights. So, of course, you know, I mean, yes, I know it's right now it's early. Like I said, each team's only played 46 and 45 between Vegas and San Jose, respectively. But any any point counts. We're getting to that point in the season where the, the points do matter every single night. You want to see you want to see teams compete for a spot. I mean, you're look. You're, there's a lot of standing watching at this point, especially for teams outside the playoffs. You know, Tampa. They don't need to look at the standings. They can just play every night. They could probably now. They, well, of course, they couldn't lose every game from here on and and make the playoffs. But they could arguably go 500 in the last 29 games, 39 games, excuse me, and man, make the playoffs still. And probably still get home ice advantage the way they are. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a great time. We're at that point in the season where it's good to look at the standings, and I can look at them honestly. Because remember, I looked at them earlier. I said, I always say Thanksgiving's probably the best time to look at them. I started looking at them a little bit in early November because the first few first month and a half of the season, it's just all right. Who's playing well? Let's look at that. But so it'll definitely be. An interesting last half of the season, guys. I mean, we have a couple months left. Lock and change. As we saw, Dallas looked like they may have been out of a playoff spot. They're back in. They're not even in the wild card picture anymore. Vancouver looked like they may have been in a good opportunity to make the playoffs. They're two points out. They look like they may have fallen off after that seven-game losing streak, but right behind Anaheim, one win away from that. Edmonton, despite all the town foolery that's going on over there, they're still within striking distance of a playoff spot. Uh, now, whether or not L.A. or St. Louis can make anything of it, hey, if Jordan Bennington starts racking up the shutouts, yeah, there's a good chance St. Louis could make it, but I'm not so sure about that. But like I said, it's going to be an interesting time. That is probably going to be it for this one. Yes, a little bit of a shorter episode this week, obviously being solo, you know, with half the cast of this show, it would be half the actual time that we usually do. But nonetheless, I'm glad you guys can join us here. Like I said, if you want to talk about this episode, please use the hashtag TKP or hashtag the Kill Podcast. And if you have any questions or comments about, please be sure to do so and tweet us at the Kill Podcast. Thank you guys so much once again for listening to this week's episode. We will see you guys next time on the Kill Podcast. <laughs>